Sean Green, uh, one of our men on staff, is leading a panel of folks who are, well, they range anywhere from agnostic to seeking uh, truth, and, and they have come to help us learn. And so what I think will happen today is that you'll better understand after this service is over what God wants us to understand. I also think and hope that we want to apply this to our lives, especially when it comes to our one life. And you are always such great listeners. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the way that you listen on a Sunday morning. Some of you are even gracious sleepers on Sunday morning. But I want you this morning to stay awake and be gracious listeners. Extend the same courtesy to our guests this morning as you always extend it to me. I, trust me, you will not be disappointed. Listen with open hearts and open minds and make our guests feel very welcome here in the Sherwood Oaks family this morning. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Uh, I'm so excited for what, uh, what we're going to be able to experience over the next several minutes. Before I, I introduce our panel, um, I want to just speak to us for a moment. Those of us in here today that would say we are followers of Jesus. And I want to start off by reading a scripture that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 19 through 20. Paul writes this. He says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, <clears throat> as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, the, the point of this passage is if we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, if we are Christians, if we would say that Jesus is the leader of our life, he is our forgiver, then, then the point of this passage, what Paul is saying is that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are Jesus' representative here on earth. And the question that I want to pose to us this morning is what kind of impression are we leaving? How are we doing as being Christ's ambassadors, as being the good news of the gospel in this world? And so we thought, what better way to learn about how we're doing and how to better engage in spiritual conversations with people who may not believe like us than to invite a panel of people who would not call themselves Christians to come and join us and share about their experiences and how they would like to be engaged in spiritual conversations. And so that's exactly what we did. And I think that the folks up here with me this morning are extremely brave for joining us. Can you help me welcome them today? Well, good morning. Thank you all so much for being here. I drug them out of bed early, made them get here at 7.30 for our 8 o'clock service. Uh, so thank you. I really, really appreciate you all. Let's, let's start just by going around and introduce yourself. Give us your name, where you live, um, what you do for work, and maybe a hobby that you enjoy. Austin, why don't you start us off? Buddy? My name is Austin. Um, I go to Indiana University. I work for Pepsi. Um, I like to write poetry, and I am an avid karaoke goer. <laughs> My name is Julie. I'm from Nashville, Indiana. I'm not the exciting one. <laughs> I, um, I work at a local school here in town doing enrollment. Um, I also do some of the marketing there. 
Um, I'm a I'm planner obsessed. Does anyone know what that means? I have oh, no dang. idea what that I'm means. I'm always fact, looking. I told Julie that I want to hire her after this. Like, <laughs> always looking for planner people. Um, that is that's okay though. Um, so stickers, washi tape, lots of colorful markers. That's great. Hi all, I am Caroline. I am living in Bloomington um, and I work for IU at IU Outdoor Adventures. I am the academic coordinator there and I love to rock climb. I love that that's your hobby. Also, me too. I wanted to let you guys know, um, Caroline told me this morning that she loves it when people sing Sweet Caroline to her. And so when we're done, we're all going to end like an arousing no. chorus of Sweet Caroline, right? Okay, good. Uh, Andre. Um, hi, my name is Andre. Uh, I'm a student at Indiana University. Uh, I don't have like a current job, but I fix iPhone screens. So if any of you guys have a broken iPhone screen, <laughs> get, find me after the service. And then uh, one of my hobbies is I really enjoy playing music. I play the drums and keyboards, so always doing that. Great. Well, to start us off, I want to ask you guys what uh, we call the Christianity scale question. So on a scale of one to 10, where would you say that you fall with Christian faith. Five being the place where somebody crosses the line of faith and says, I am now a follower of Jesus. You know, six, seven, eight, nine being a growing Christian. Ten being the most devout Christian, you know, you've ever met. And then a zero or a one being someone that says, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of this. So where would you guys fall on the Christianity scale? I would say I'm like a two. Um, I would consider myself agnostic with some spiritual leanings. I'm a four. Um, I do consider myself mostly agnostic, um, but it's hard to put a definition exactly where I lie. Uh, I, I would say I'm a four too. Um, I think that there are, are higher powers at play, things that uh, control our lives in ways that we will never be able to understand. I'm a, say I'm a 2.5, so I'm not <laughs> quite a two, not quite a three. Yeah. Not quite sure. Not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about God. Um, kind of a, a, a basic belief. Um, as Christians, we would say that, uh, you know, kind of reflect what, what Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says, that do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary in his understanding no one can fathom. And so as Christians, we believe that God is our everlasting father. He is the creator of the universe. He is the giver, the sustainer of life, you know, our, our help in difficult times. Uh, what do you believe about God? I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I really hope that there is a God. And sometimes I really feel like there is, especially I'm like outside, I really feel that connection, but I'm pretty uncertain. Yeah. Uh, so hopeful, hopeful, but not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way Carolyn puts it, I'm cautiously optimistic is a great way to word it. Um, I'm sure that something exists, but I'm not sure what that is exactly. Yeah, I think, um, well, actually, I don't know. I'm completely agnostic, um, <laughs> so I really have no idea. And I think, like, it's just, even if a God were to exist, he's so beyond my understanding that it's just too much to think about, and I just try not to think about it too often. Um, but yeah, I used to be a complete atheist and not believe the existence of a God at all, but because um, I found it illogical or something, but then I realized it's just as illogical to believe not believe there's a God, um, because there's just no way of knowing. It's just beyond human understanding. 
That is such a perfect agnostic answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, think, I think we all have a moral compass. We all have um, you know, a set of values that you know, sort of makes us who we are. So in a sense, we all have you know, a spirit and a soul. And so with that being said, I, I think the idea of there, there's this, you know, there's a higher power out there that's sort of influencing our moral compass, um, giving us these perceptions. Um, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I also think we all have a, a, a faith and the choices we make are, are sort of pulling us towards that faith. So I think it all sort of aligns with the idea of a God. So what, what would you say that you believe about the Bible? Um, some, some people would say that the Bible is just a, a book that is filled with fairy tales. None of it can be trusted. None of it can be believed. Um, some people might say, no, the Bible's more than that. Like, it's a, there's some good, um, good things that are in there. And it may not all be accurate, but there's like some good leads towards moral living, even though I'm not sure that we can trust its validity. Um, as Christians, we hold to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed, meaning that it, it was inspired through people um, by God, and that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that uh, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, what do you guys believe about the Bible? I fall right there in the middle, um, okay. so I don't think it's a book of fairy tales. Um, however, if it was divinely written is a, a question for me. I do think that it holds a good moral code, a good way to live. Um, I think that if you were to read the Bible and apply those truths in your life, um, you'd probably turn out to be a pretty decent individual. Um, however, where that came from is where the question comes for me. Yeah. I've read all of the Bible, made it through the book of Numbers, so. Good job. <laughs> oh, wow. God bless you. That's <laughs> Um, I find it to be very troublesome that there are multiple translations, and, and I don't, the influence of man is evident to me, yeah. so that makes it hard to see it as being a divine truth. Yeah, we, we did a series, and here you guys, if you've been around for the last couple of months, you might remember the Curious series that we did, where we invited people to ask questions that they have about faith, and then we spent a few weeks addressing some of those questions. And one of the questions that we found pop up regularly across our campuses is what Caroline just referenced. Why are there so many translations of the Bible, and can we really trust any of them? So, it's good. Um, uh, I, would agree, I would agree with that strongly. Um, I, I mean, I think the, you know, the Bible is filled with lots of very historically accurate um, you know, stories and good moral codes and all of that, but it's just troublesome to see so many different interpretations and how um, drastically those interpretations can differ. It's a, it almost seems as if you can project your own um, morals into the text rather than it's the text guiding. I think the Bible can provide a great moral framework and you know has great lessons within it, um, but I do think it's odd um, that the Bible is the Word of God, right? And God is a perfect being, um, completely perfect and all-knowing. Um, and humans, you know, I believe as the Bible says, are imperfect. And I think we all know we're imperfect as well. Um, how can humans attempt to transcribe the Word of something so perfect and so greater than us? Yeah. Like, how can we even try to, you know, make right. it even close? So I think 
maybe there is some truth. If there were a God, maybe there is some truth within the Bible about that, but I don't think it's that we can truly grasp what God is trying to tell us. So your, your kind of hang up or concern is how can imperfect people portray a perfect God yeah. in a perfect way? Yeah. So let's talk about Jesus, um, because nothing makes a conversation more awkward faster than talking about Jesus, all right? You guys up for that? Good. Um, <laughs> what do you believe about Jesus? Some people would say... You know, Jesus never existed. There's just not enough evidence. Um, some people would say, no, there is enough evidence to say that, that a man from Nazareth named Jesus did actually exist, had quite a following, but all he really was is maybe just a good moral teacher uh, that left a pretty long-lasting legacy. Um, Christians, what we would say is kind of what Jesus says about himself in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the only way to the Father. And so what would you guys say about Jesus? What do you believe? Who, who would you say that he was? Um, I, I think Jesus um, was a real man that performed real miracles. Uh, you know, miracles do happen. Uh, they don't happen all the time. That's what makes them miracles. But I think there's a lot to show that um, he, he was an extraordinary man. He, just his presence, his positivity, um, drastically influenced the culture, the world, and it brought people together. So even if he necessarily wasn't the literal God of man, I mean, the son of God, um, I, I think in a lot of ways he still could have represented God because he was so just, he was so right. Um, just his presence, his, the way he lived sort of represented um, what sort of God represents. So uh, I would yeah. say, yeah, he was, he was a leader. Yeah. I'm going to go with the classic agnostic answer and say um, I don't really know if he existed or if he didn't exist. It was so long ago and, you know, you can't be sure of anything that far back. But I think whether he existed or not is irrelevant because um, he exists for a lot of people and he's real to a lot of people and he provides hope and like um, a symbol and something to look up to for a lot of people. So for all purposes, he is real, you know, whether he physically existed or not. Um, I don't think that Jesus could have been God. Um, so I think he exists or existed. Uh, but I, I find it a little presumptuous to think that man can be God. And maybe it's just that I, I don't understand it. But to me, that, that line feels pretty definite. Just like Austin said, if God is perfect, then how is man to ever be that as well? So that confuses me along with the whole Trinity thing in general. <laughs> Yep, I understand. <laughs> I think I fall right in line with the three of you. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm right at that four level, so anything that I could say about Jesus would be speculation. Um, I like to think that he did exist. If he did, I'm sure he was a great, upstanding man. He, he meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, I'm sure he had a lot to teach. Um, however, anything beyond that, again, is, would just be me speculating. Just kind of speculating, yeah. So let me ask you, what do you think happens after we die? Um, Hebrews 9.27 says that people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. And then it goes on to remind us that for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, that he stands at our defense as the one who has taken away our sins. Um, what, do you, what do you believe about the afterlife? Is there life after death? Is there heaven or hell? Do people face some kind of judgment day? What do you think happens after somebody dies? 
I'm pretty uncertain about a lot of things, and <laughs> aren't we all? Maybe you're not, I don't know, but for me, um, how can we possibly know what happens after death? It's confusing, but there's, there's one thing that I do feel rather certain about, which is that I don't believe in hell. I do not believe in a place where there's unending suffering, especially not the idea that we are all going there, that I just can't get behind that. To follow that piece, I, I completely agree. Um, the idea of a physical heaven or hell for me seems, seems unlikely. Um, again, where I fall on the scale, so, many of what, so much of what we're saying is, is simply speculation, uh, but the idea of a physical heaven or hell to me seems very unlikely. Yeah, um, I'm going to give the, I sound like an agnostic record player. Um, you no, just I'm can't not, help it, man. It yeah, just comes yeah, out uh, of I'm, I'm not really sure, but um, what I kind of feel in my gut is, you know, dying is a lot like before we were born, just kind of, you know, nothing. And that seems a little depressing. But um, I've kind of found it to be almost a comforting thought in the sense that we have to appreciate the time that we, the limited amount of time we do have. And so um, I kind of see heaven and hell almost as a um, perspective thing in the sense that like you can make your life heaven right now or you can make your life hell right now. If you're doing bad things, it just makes you a toxic person and it makes you angry and upset and like you just start getting um, bad things start happening to you as well. You know, it just keeps kind of tumbling from there. But if you're positive, if you show love and kindness to people, oftentimes you get that love and kindness right back. And then it kind of brings heaven to you right now. So I think you, we ought to, we directly live with the repercussions of, you know, all of our actions. So you can make your life heaven or you can make your life hell right now. Instead of some kind of like future yeah. reality, it's our present. Like yeah. Okay. Um, life after death. Uh. <laughs> It's an easy one, man. You got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, softballs. That's what we're getting. Well, I, I think uh, we all have, you know, a, a consciousness. We, we have our thoughts, our experiences, and those accumulate into, you know, our consciousness. And I, I think our consciousness is sort of the same as our spirit, as our soul. Now, if energy and matter cannot be created nor destroyed, and your spirit is literally, it's measurable. It's, it's your thoughts, it's your neurology. Um, you know, the idea, I mean, one day our organic bodies will rot. I will, you know, not exist, but who I am up here, I mean, that's, that's gonna go someplace else. I mean, I'm not sure where it'll go or how it'll go there. Or will it just be scattered? Who knows? But I, I think the idea of life after death or, or something after death make, makes a lot of sense. So now I want to ask you guys the, the confidence scale question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you about what you currently believe about these things that we just talked about? And before you, before you answer, um, I just want to let you guys know and let the congregation know, I've been a follower of Jesus for 18, 19 years now. And there are times as I've been a Christian where I would say, man, I'm a 10 on the confidence scale. Like, I have no doubt that what I believe is true and accurate and right. And then there are times, quite honestly, where I'm like a mess. <laughs> and I'm like a two or a three going, I don't know if any of this is real. Like, am I the biggest fool in the world for believing and giving my life to this? Um, so I think, and if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we've all been in that place of doubt um, or low confidence in what we believe. And so on a scale of one to 10, 
where would you guys say that you are right now as your level of confidence in what you currently believe? Right this minute, I'm a, I'm a zero. Um, so, so listening to everyone's answers, um, this conversation in general has sparked yeah. so much um, thought within myself and just listening to, to my peers talk. Um, I'm, I'm right at a zero. Some days I'm at a five. Um, most days I ride right around a two, three. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say um, for the most part, I'm like a, like a one or two. Like I'm, you know, I, I'm confident in what I believe in, but I'm also like very understanding of the of the fact that everything I know could be wrong. My mind could be changed, you know, overnight. But some things I'm a definite ten on that I have a strong confidence in is that is that we all have a purpose. That we all um, um, that our choices and um, what we choose to believe in will will lead us to our faiths. So I'm I'm very confident in that. Kelly, yeah. how about you? I'm a one as well, but I'm also 22, so like yeah. that might just be <laughs> across the board. You're a one in everything right now, right? <laughs> I can understand that. I remember that. Um, I'm probably a zero. Um, again, I'm repeating myself. I don't know. Um, and I don't pretend to know. And it's just so beyond all of my understanding. And I don't think I'll ever know. I think I'll permanently stay at a zero, and I've just kind of come to terms with that. I've accepted the fact that I'll never you know, no, and I'll never figure yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you guys sharing those things. That's, that's some hard conversations to have, especially in front of a, a church. And I promise you guys a loving Bloomington congregation. And I hope that that's what you've experienced, even as you've openly shared about these things. But I want to I wanna shift gears now and start talking about moving from what you believe about certain things to um, what your experiences have been in the church what your experiences have been in engaging with Christians in spiritual conversations. And guys, I want, I want to tell you, I think that we as a church, and I've, I've had a, the, the privilege of communicating with this panel now for a while and hearing them, we have so much to learn um, from the folks that are up here right now about how we can do a better job as a church and as believers in engaging people in spiritual conversations. And so I really hope that you are able to listen <clears throat> this morning with the same amount of humility as they're going to be speaking in these next few moments. And so the first question that I have is, um, what have been your past experiences with attending church or engaging uh, with Christians in spiritual conversations? How have you been treated and how did that make you feel? Um, well, my first time going to church was probably second grade. My grandpa dragged me to church, and um, I went to potluck, and then I in instantly became a believer. It was like <laughs> eight, out of, eight out of ten, I was Christian, and I'm ready to go to church, and I'm down for it all. And from there, it kind of snowballed. I was an altar boy, and I was just super into it. Um, until around middle school, I stopped being around my grandpa as much and kind of fell from faith from there. Um, I enjoyed the people in my church. But when I like look back on a lot of the driving forces in my faith, um, looking back growing up, uh, my grandpa would often say, you know, like if I did something wrong, oh, the devil's gonna get you. Or like, um, I also watched The Exorcist when I was in second grade, which like scarred me for life. And so um, I literally still just like flashes sometimes in my mind. I'm like, oh wow, that's scary. Um, but um, uh, I realized from all those things that a lot of my faith at that time came from a place of fear. So like fire and brimstone, I was just always kind of scared. And that's why, that's why I had so much faith. Like that's why my faith was strong was because um, 
I didn't want to go to hell, right? And I think that's probably why I also fell from faith, you know, and why um, I'm not, I'm kind of more of a spiritual person now instead of, you know, declaring myself as a Christian. Um, because the foundation of my faith was built on fear rather than love and understanding, you know? I should, like, want to go to heaven, not not want to go to hell, you know? Like, yeah, not have that fear of hell, you know? I should be be hopeful for heaven, if yeah. that makes sense. So I was raised in church. Um, the first time I went to church, I was well, probably very shortly after I was born. Um, I stayed in the, I either went to my paternal grandmother's church or my maternal grandmother's church. Um, as I got older, it was a lot of time at my, my maternal grandma's church. Um, I grew to develop a family there. Um, those are, those were, um, I think as Caroline put it when we were talking, those were um, my people. Um, I was 14 at the beginning of this story. I'm turned 14. It's a weird time for everybody. Um, I don't know if any of you are 14, but I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, this will pass. Um, I was 14. It was a, it was a bad time. Um, moral of the story, there were a lot of people in that church that wanted me to go a certain path. Um, they wanted me to do a certain thing, which is, which is understandable. They wanted the best for me. Um, but being 14... I was not. I was not having that. Um, so I just took a different direction. Um, at the same time in my life, my grandmother passed. Um, so I watched that church family slowly disappear. Um, if I wasn't there, people wouldn't call as much. Um, stopped getting messages. You stopped getting your, you know, your typical check-in calls. Um, slowly but surely, those people disappeared from my life. Over the course of a year or so after that, um, I stopped going altogether. It's been well. That's been about. 10 years now, and I haven't heard from any of those people in, you know, at least eight. Um, so it's just, it's just a matter of conditional love and conditional acceptance um, would be how I would describe the experience that I remember the most. Yeah. So you, you felt like in the church that you were part of, as long as you were doing what they wanted you to do, they would love you, but as soon as you kind of pushed back or had some questions or went through a really hard time, absolutely, they, they stopped. That perfectly describes it, and it's just important to remember that um, at the time that you say, oh, I might need to distance myself from that person, that's very likely the time that they need you the absolute most. Hmm. Um, so it's important to consider that every interaction you have makes an impact. So uh, I was raised Christian, um, and I remember uh, the, the when I first kind of stopped going to church and... Um, you know, I wasn't as faithful, and I, I still believed in God, but I just wasn't really a, a devout Christian. Um, I remember at Thanksgiving one year, um, I had a lot of my family, they were just kind of, you know, really drilling into me, saying, you know, this, you know, you're kind of like almost putting me down. And it, it was sort of confusing, because it's like, okay, we're, we're still family, like that hasn't changed, even if I have a, a different belief. So I, I feel like a lot of the times, um, I, I understand that you want to you know, spread your beliefs, but at the same time, how you do that, you shouldn't, you know, belittle someone or make them, you know, look at them as like something less than you. You should, you know, approach them like a friend and say, okay, even if we have these different views, tell me, Andre, like, why have you changed? I felt like if they would have approached me with a, with a more, you know, like in a conversation rather than you're just so silly, um, it, I, I would have heard or saw eye to eye to them a lot, a lot more. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. So I was raised Catholic. Um, 
and went to church for 18 years. Um, actually would double down most of the time because I wanted to go to the Church of Christ because those kids were cooler. So I would go <laughs> to mass, come home, change, go to the Church of Christ because we wear jeans there, um, <laughs> and then go to their youth group. Uh, and I did Bible studies and FCA. I was a camp counselor at a Christian camp for a while. And I would read my Bible like every night, almost just willing myself. I wanted to believe it so badly as if somehow I could make myself if I just kept going. So I really wanted to be a part of that. And it was, I really loved the community I had there. Um, but I've had some really negative experiences, um, which is hard for wanting so badly to be accepted in one of the, the fold, I guess. Um, I've been called an abomination. Um, I've been told I was going to hell a lot of times. Um, and generally not accepted um, because of who I am or certain parts of what I believe. Um, and that is hard to hear for anybody, but it's even harder to hear from the people you just want to love you the most, I guess. Um, so good experiences and bad experiences, but the bad ones tend to stick with you yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, those, those leave some emotional scars that are hard to heal from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is usually the time in the service where you know, Tom is up preaching and, and we're learning and hopefully applying some of the things that, uh, that he's talking about. But now we want to give you guys the opportunity to preach. And this is kind of the application point of the sermon for us. Um, if you could say anything to a group of Christians about how to best initiate and sustain a helpful dialogue about faith. Um, what would you say? What, what could Christians do to make you feel valued and understood and respected and loved in these conversations? Um, to touch on what I, what I said a moment ago, um, just remember that every single interaction, every single moment, every single brush you have with someone means something to them. Um, just because something seems like a, a slight to you or not a big deal, it, it impacts people. Um, there's a story um, that I almost hate telling. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar. I don't even know the organization by any means, but um, Sample Gates downtown Kirkwood. Um, there's always somebody set up there with pamphlets or tracts or information to give to you, um, which I think nine times out of 10 is beautiful. Um, I think it's really, although I don't necessarily believe the way that you do, I think it's beautiful when you try to help people. I think that's, I think that's lovely. Um, nine times out of 10, unfortunately. <laughs> There's the 10th <tenth laughs> My story is about the 10th. <laughs> um, so I was with my daughter. She's, she'll be three in December. Her name is Aurora. She is a real tweet, a real treat. She's not that. Um, she's a real, real treat. Um, we were downtown at Kirkwood by Sample Gates, just walking along, enjoying our day. Um, and we were approached by some people who just wanted to share some information with us. Um, there was a man, and a, a man and a woman. One of them was making um, balloon animals. They, so they started making my daughter a balloon flower. Um, she was really excited. Again, she's almost, almost three, so she's excited by literally everything. Um, <laughs> she was so excited. Um, she was this a few months ago. She was about two and a half. Um, they tried to talk to me about, about God and about coming to their church and about getting involved. I was having a conversation. I'm pretty well-mannered, I like to think. Um, but I let them know, you know, I'm not really interested. Thank you so much. Um, and they took her, they, so silly, I'm sorry. Um, they took her balloon 
they, they took it away. Um, and that, that stinks. I am, I'm an adult, so you can take whatever you want. I'm fine. Um, but she's just a baby. Um, and thinking that the first impression she received from any sort of religion, um, she, she hasn't been to church except for um, a couple Christmases for my grandmother. Um, the first impression she ever got was my mommy wasn't into that, so they took my balloon. Mm. Um, and that's, that's heartbreaking. Um, so again, this may not speak to all of you. I'm sure, I'm sure so many of you are phenomenal, beautiful people, but if this resonates with you at all, just remember that everyone has a story. Everyone has a family. Everyone has other things going on aside from this one interaction with you. Um, just love them. Don't try to win the argument. Don't try to win them over in that first interaction. Just love them and get to know them. And if you, if you can't get them to come to church, that's okay because they're going to remember that interaction with you. Um, does anyone want to follow this up with a positive story? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a positive story. Um, so, well, first off, I think the best way to have conversations about faith is to not have conversations about faith in the sense that you should lead by example um, because no one really wants to be preached to, you know? Um, I, I mean, except if you're going to church, then you want to be preached to, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, like, just in a casual conversation, no one wants to be preached to. Um, and so I think it's about leading by example and just sort of being positive and just good and, like, having this sort of aura around you of positivity. And I think that attracts people, and people inquire you about that. Like, oh, hey, what are your interests? And, you know... Don't, I mean, you could just say, you know, in passing, like, oh, I also go to church, and then maybe they'll be interested. They'll say, oh, well, I might be interested in what you're interested in because you just are sort of a positive person I'm kind of attracted to, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so my story, though, the closest I've ever been to going to church, again, was probably two years ago. I worked for Samsung um, over at Best Buy, and I had this really nice couple come in, and they were a younger couple. And I was just talking to them about phones, and we just ended up just having a conversation for about 40 minutes um, about a million different things. And um, they eventually bought a tablet that I sold to them, and they were really happy with it, and they thanked me so much for all the time that I spent, you know, showing them everything and how helpful I was. And during our conversation, at one point, we talked about food, and I said, oh, I love Mexican food. And it was just such a, a passing thing. But then they came back with a card about 30 minutes later after they left the store. And it had a gift card for the local Mexican restaurant. And they said, thank you so much for your time, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, wow, this is great. Like, it just made me feel so happy. And it brought me back. I started thinking about our conversation. And they, I remember that they told me that they went to this church. And I was just like, I have to go to this church. Like, I want to see them again. Like, they were awesome. Like, I would love to see them again. And honestly, I was like hoping this was the church. So, like, <laughs> if you, if, like, we're you guys are out there. too, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, if you're out there somewhere, like, thank you. <laughs> I love you guys. So, but you almost brought me to church. Well, now I'm at church. So, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of an echo of that, the aura of positivity. I'm going to call out somebody who's at this church and say, Dax, your older brother got me to go to church for like four weeks because he was just so happy. I was like, he's got something going right. I'm going to try and figure that out. Um, so that works, right? Being so happy in your faith or so um, 
kind and caring in it that other people just sense that and they want a piece of that. I think that's a great way to approach life. But just the, the cautionary thing here is treat other human beings like people, not projects. Um, I am so painfully aware of every single one of my flaws and I don't need to be reminded of them, especially not at the beginning of a conversation about faith. Um, and go into things with that positivity. And also as a friend, um, if you are a friend to somebody, your Christianity will come out in your conversations and it'll fold into your life. Um, so starting out from a place of friendship and love and compassion and understanding, as opposed to uh, waking up and saying, okay, I'm going to go fix Caroline today. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, but probably not. <laughs> so yeah, friendship. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, people are just a lot more open-minded if you approach them with compassion and empathy, and you look at look at them as a person, um, not as, you know, some other, some, something that needs saving. I mean, even if that might be the case, um, when, you, when you approach them like that, you kind of assign that, um, that stigma, and, and then it's sort of, it's, it's, you're doing like, it's counterproductive when, when you approach someone with, with that attitude. It's almost driving them further away from faith rather than taking them, taking them closer back to it. Yeah. So really what I'm, what I'm hearing from all of you is, like just love me, be my friend, um, and, and let your faith just come out in your life that you'll be drawn to that. Just a couple more questions as we, as we wrap up. You guys have been great. Um, this next question is, assuming that there is a, is a God and that he is listening to you right now, and you could ask him any question and you knew that you would receive an answer in this moment, what one question would you ask God? I talk to God a lot, which is ironic because I'm still not sure if there is a God, but I spend a lot of time praying. Um, and I ask the same question over and over again, and that is, I want to know how exactly it is that I can make my life meaningful. So I really want that. Yeah. Um, I, I would say if I could ask him one thing, it would be... Uh, how, how do we find you? Um, uh, all these people on earth, all this chaos, um, through all of that, how, how do we find you? How do we find your light? Um, I would ask, is, is this enough? Um, so is being a good person, putting good out into the world, um, just creating good all around you, is that enough to gain access into, into heaven? Because if God is real, so, so is heaven. Um, but just is, is what I'm doing as, as a mother and as a, as a person, is what I'm doing enough? Democrat or Republican? <laughs> it's probably, probably what I would ask first. No. We, 40 yeah. minutes, Austin. We made it 40 minutes without yeah. bringing up politics. And <laughs> no, um, on a more serious note, um, I would probably... I'd probably ask him, you know, why does suffering exist? Why do we suffer? Yeah, why, why suffer? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 
So my final question is, if there were uh, a group that had open discussions like what we've been having here on stage this morning, where everyone just felt free to ask questions, just like you asked, difficult questions, and you knew that you would be heard and that your question would be valued and that there would be open discussion, um, is that a group that you think that you would be interested in being a part of? I'm very interested in that. Yeah. I'm literally sitting on a stage uh, in a group. <laughs> There's a, a whole bunch of people who probably disagree with me. Um, yeah. and I'm open to being here, so I'd probably yeah. be open to doing it in maybe like a less scary setting. I'd agree. I'd be very open to something like that. Oh. Yeah, same. Right. Can you guys help me thank our panel for coming today? I love our church. Um, I'm going to close this with a word of prayer, and then Tom's going to give a couple of final announcements. Father, I'm so grateful for this panel. I'm thankful for their lives, um, for their stories. And Lord, my heart breaks to hear the emotional scars um, that your church and your people have made on them. God, I pray for healing in their lives. And I pray that um, as church and as a follower of Jesus um, here at Sherwood Oaks, that we can uh, be better, be better for them, and that we can do a better job of being your ambassadors here on this earth. And so, Father, forgive us for how we have failed in that, and may we learn uh, the humble lessons that uh, this amazing panel has taught us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.